Let's pray. Lord, what an honour it is to gather together. Firstly, we gather around your name, but secondly, it is our, it is our privilege and our, our joy uh, to think about mums. Uh, to think about the mums in our life, uh, other mothers that have influenced us. And we know it's complicated, Lord. There's so much joy attached to this, but there's also sorrow and grief. But nonetheless, you have given mothers to this world as an incredible gift. And so we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I like to read, preferably on my own, but that doesn't happen as much as I'd like it to sometimes. But in addition to the Bible, I read quite a number of... um, Articles, especially probably each week, I have some favourite sites, favourite writers, favourite people that I go to, and just sort of short articles I like to to read. And I think, like most things, that you'll notice um, rise and fall with the with the type of rhythm of what's happening in our culture each week or each month. Um, you'll see that articles, blog posts, and things like that they rise and fall with the cultural happenings. Around us, much slower than, say, social media does, which tends to be explosive and instantaneous, but, but blogs do the same. They respond to events that are unfolding in our world. So it stands to reason that in the last couple of weeks there has been no end of people reflecting on mothers, motherhood in preparation for today. Um, I read a lot of posts about mothers, and one of them in particular stood out to me. It's a reasonably short article and it was published, if you want to go up and look it up, you can, um, on a great website called Core Christianity. Um, That's a great site to bookmark and go back to regularly anyway. Um, It was on a a website called Core Christianity and it carries the title, uh, The Bible Verse Every Mother Should Memorise. Of course, it was a good title because it made me go, I'm not your mother. And I wanted to know what was the Bible verse that every mother should memorise. And it was written by a a lady by the name of Kendra Dahl. Um, I mention it because it was such a great post. I I thoroughly enjoyed it and also because it was probably the seedbed from where this sermon sprung from. Um, As I started to think on it, as I started to reflect on it, um, my thoughts started sort of springing on from that place and back into the scriptures, thinking about the verse in particular that uh, she said was a verse that every mother should memorise. And I read through Kendra's thoughts, I considered what she was proposing, and I think like all good Christian writing should do, it led me back to the Bible. So what was the verse that she said every mother should memorise? Good news for some of you mums who feel like your baby brain has continued on for too many years and you're thinking, I'm no good at memorising. I'm terrible at memorising. I've got good news for you. The one verse that Kendra suggests every mother here should memorise is in fact only half a verse. Right? So you might have some hope. <laughs> this is it. Grab your Bibles. I want you to read it in your Bible. 
I'm going to read it from mine. Um, I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. It's the version I'm reading from. James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 6. James 4 and 6. It simply says this, one sentence, first half of that verse, but he gives greater grace. But he gives greater grace. That's the verse Kendra suggests every mother should memorise. In particular, that sentence. But he, speaking about God, but he gives greater grace. Now, Kendra gives her own reasoning and flow of thought why that's so important a sentence to memorise, but it got me thinking about why I think she's right. What is it about this one particular reality of God's goodness towards us that is worth embedding in our minds, particularly for mums, but you're going to see that I think this goes far beyond the mothers in this room today as well. The reason why I think it's so important is that this particular verse sits in one of the most heavily application-driven letters within the New Testament. Um, What I mean by that is that you can read through James, the book of James, and it is filled to the brim with commands. Things to do. It's often the reason why we often might turn to it as a Bible study or as a reading plan. I remember being as a young guy in a youth group study and we were like, what Bible, you know, what book of the Bible are we going to read? And we are like, let's do James. That's like real Christianity, right? That's where, that's where Christianity, the rubber hits the road and that's what it looks like and we want something to do. We want to, we want to know what it looks like. And so you turn to James. Many of the other letters in the New Testament in particular, um, they're they tend to be pretty heavy up front with doctrine, things that we should know, things that we should understand about God, things that we should comprehend about who he is, who we are, how we should engage and react with him. But James starts at the other end. It starts with really practical things about what it looks like to be a Christian, what we should do as a Christian, and it works back from there. So really practical people, people who just want to know what they need to do, people who want the bullet points on a video, people who just want to go, just tell me the information, I want to know what I need to do, that's all I'm interested in right now, they turn to James. Let's zoom in even more on James for a moment and see if we can locate chapter 4, verse 6, in its proper place. See, this verse but he gives greater grace, that sentence is located right in the middle of a whole bunch of warnings and also pleas for wisdom. So there's warnings and pleas for wisdom. And James goes into detail about the power of the tongue to destroy, right? So that's in chapter 3, verses 1, all the way through to verse 12. He warns us about the tongue, the way that we speak, 
The things that we say have consequences, so, you know, tame the tongue, you can try all you like, but it's like a forest fire, you know those verses? So James is warning us about the tongue and the way that it can get destroyed. He then warns us against our own selfish ambitions about um, the adulterous and worldly passions that lead to conflict and turmoil amongst us. So you can find that in James chapter 3 and verse 14 through to verse 16, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, all of those places. And then he calls us to a type of wisdom that is meek and pure. He calls us to a wisdom which is the fruit of gentleness and mercy and righteousness and peace. And you can find that in chapter 3 and verse 13, verses 17 to verses 18 in that same chapter. And I think that all believers, every single Christian, parents in particular, we should take to heart, right, these warnings, these pleas towards wisdom. We ought to confess our failures, beg the Lord for wisdom, and James tells us if we ask him for it, he will give it to us generously. But I think this is where the problem lies. It's not that James hasn't communicated truth to us well or clearly. He has. But we have hearts that are bent towards self-righteousness. And our hearts will easily misinterpret what James is saying. Because James bases his exhortations, his commands to us, his very practical focus about what it looks like to be a Christian, James bases all of those in the foundation of the gospel, of what Christ has done about the sufficiency of Jesus, that he meets our every need. But we so often read his commands, not only his, many of others within the Bible, and we read them like they're a list of performance criteria. So we read the commands and we think, okay, for me to be an acceptable type of Christian, I must, I must be able to tick off all of these things. When I get all of those done, then, then I will be okay. We can read James and simultaneously load up our shoulders with type of self-inflicted expectations. The problem with this, of course, is that your shoulders weren't designed to bear that type of load. We, we fail at it. And I think that is precisely why I think Kendra Dahl, when she wrote her article, got it so right. This is why I think James 4.16 is in the Bible verse every mother should memorise. So this is a particular word that I want to speak to mums for a moment. Others of you can listen in. I think maybe you will glean something from what I say, I hope you will, that may apply into your situation as well. If you think that you can agree, you are free to say amen. That's all right. Here's the first thing I want you to know, mums. You're amazing. You really are. Mums, you are 
incredibly amazing. I don't say that lightly. I don't say it like it was on the card where I stopped to get the cheap flowers from the servo and that was just the card that came with them. (laughs) Kath enlightened me yesterday. We were driving somewhere and there were people selling flowers on the side of the road. Men, this is something for you. Mums, just hold on for a moment. Men, I want to educate you for a moment. See, for 20-something years, I've been terrible at giving flowers. I'm not really good at it. Um, I like flowers. I think they're nice. Somewhere else, you know, or whatever. And maybe it's just the, the masculine part of me that just goes, I don't understand why we buy things, put them on our bench for a little while, then just throw them in the bin. But what would I know? Okay, I'm stupid. Um, somewhere along the line, I just had to accept, for whatever reason, flowers are really important for lots of women, for my wife. But, so, but I was under the mistaken... I was under the mistaken conclusion, though, that it, it wouldn't matter where you got the flowers from. The flowers are flowers, right? No. no. <laughs> right? This was news to me. I didn't know. So it, it seems, though, that the flower is important but where the flower comes from is also important. Because if it's just from the side of the road, you didn't give much thought to the flower. You just got the flower, turned up and said, oh, by the way, I saw some flowers on the side of the road. Okay? Where you get the flower from then is also important. It may be as important as the flower. If you take the time to track them down, hunt them down, drive 30 kilometres even, your wife your girlfriend, your prospective partner in life will go, you hunted this flower down, you waded through the jungles, you beat your way through the bush to find this flower for me. Man, if, if it's an emergency, buy a flower from the survey, all right, or from the front desk at Woolies, or from the side of the road, but if, if you really want to go the extra mile, all right, Go to Queensland to buy the flower, right? Go to Western Australia and get the, the wild flowers or something and just say, this is, I hunted this down for you. Free advice, no charge for that. All right. Let's go back to mums for a moment. Mums, you are, you are phenomenal. It's not a throwaway line. You are amazing. There are few other people on the entire earth that I think can match the character of a mother's instinct. It astounds the world. We make movies about it. We write books about it. There's poetry written about it. Men and women alike are left in awe at the the purity of a mother's instinct. You see, women, just like men, grow up through childhood with goals and aspirations for life, hopes and dreams for what you may achieve, what you may experience. And then at some point in time, many women, many women, desire to have a child. And that desire may be met with heartache even. It may cause grief at not being able to fulfil that desire. But for many others, that desire conceives a living being. Now, men too may share that desire, but there's a universe of difference between men and women, despite what the current world might say. You see, while men and women can conceive a child together, fathers must bear that child from a distance. Women don't. Mothers do not have that luxury. 
So mums, you're amazing. You literally bear the life of another in your body. Many of you bear the development of life within you and you feed that growing life from out of your own store of energy and that goes beyond just the nine months or so that you carry that child in your womb. You continue to develop that child with your own store of energy. And I think that's astounding. Mothers, you're amazing. You are. And not only do mothers bear a child's development during the first nine months of their life, she then submits pretty much her entire existence to the care of, development of, nurturing of their growing child. Some women not only do so for the child that they have conceived or maybe the child that they wish they could have conceived, but they also do that for children that they did not conceive. That's happened due to blended families, for relatives, for children who have been placed with out-of-home care. But all of these women, all of them, have in many ways laid aside their possibly their own previous goals and aspirations even. They've laid aside the energy conserved for their own personal desires and they have bent their entire existence towards the good of another or maybe multiple little human beings. And I think that's amazing. Women and mums, you really are astounding. So for at least two decades, many, many mums pursue the good of other people. In a, in a list of all the people that are important, many mums place themselves somewhere down the bottom of that list and put a whole bunch of other people before them. And even then, and many in this room will give testimony to this, the role of a mother may change after two decades or so, but it doesn't end, does it, mums? You'll always still look at your adult children and they're still your kids. But for those of you who are sceptical about the commercialisation and celebration of days like this in our calendar, let me make it very clear. Mothers deserve to be honoured and revered every day of the year, especially on days like today. But here's the problem, and maybe you've already felt it as I've been speaking. Mothers, by nature of the exceptional place that they hold in society, feel an unbelievable weight of expectation. So even in the celebration of mothers, days like today, where we elevate the characteristics of motherhood that we admire and appreciate so much, there can also exist a weight of expectation and perceived perfection that few other people can imagine. Even as I was describing all the wonderful things about mothers, I can almost guarantee that many mothers in this room were thinking, I wish those things were true about me. Chris doesn't know how I failed as a mum. 
He doesn't know the way that I've not met those expectations that we seem to celebrate and revere and lift up. So many mothers bear that weight today, especially. And that weight comes from all angles. That expectation comes from every corner, from external ideals maybe held by our culture. Media representations of the perfect mother, amazing mothers. Maybe from generational observations, as we look back and you think, I'm not as good a mum as what my mum was. I I can't live up to the ideals of, of those that I've seen go before me. Expectations to be like, or maybe to not be like, the mothers that came before you. Those add to the weight of expectation that we place upon ourselves. And maybe this weight comes from internal ideals that you place upon yourself. It may even come from spiritual ideals that you've interpreted through the lens of your faith. Who can be that woman in Proverbs 31, right? What sort of mother? I will never be like that. All of those things add to the weight maybe, but wherever that weight comes from, wherever it originates from, it has this in common. I know, not from personal experience, but from seeing it affect the lives of others, I know that that weight is unbearably heavy. It is unbearably heavy for you. It is the weight of performance. Uh, A living up to a picture that is superimposed over the reality that you experience in your life. So while my message today, which is specifically with mothers in mind, is you are amazing, there is another message that I want you to hear. And maybe it's even more important. And I hope, my prayer has been that you will hear it well enough through all the noise of those expectations that are rattling around in your mind at the moment. So the first message is, mothers, you are amazing. But the second message that I want you to hear this morning is this. But he gives greater grace. But he gives greater grace. That's why I think Kendra said that's the verse that every mother should memorise. Because that weight that you carry, that, that expectation that you feel must be lived up to, it's true, isn't it? That there's barely a day that goes by that you don't have a long list of ways that you think that you have failed to carry that weight of expectation. Then I want you to hear, he gives greater grace. Greater than what? What's, what's this little sentence doing in the middle of James chapter 4? When, when James has been saying, hey listen, you need to watch your tongue. You need to watch your life. You need to act this way. You need to show wisdom. And there's all the expectations that we might pile up on ourselves. And in the middle of it, he just adds this, but he gives greater grace. So the question is, greater than what? Greater than what? 
So to answer that, it would be good to remind ourselves again of what James means when he writes that powerful sentence. Remember, he was writing about the the power of the tongue to destroy. He was warning about our selfish ambition, our adulterous worldly passions that lead to conflict and lead to turmoil. And he was calling us to a wisdom that is meek and pure, to a fruit of which is gentleness and mercy and righteousness and peace. And we should all, all of us, mothers, fathers, children, all of us, should take those warnings and those pleas to heart. And more importantly, James says, we should beg the Lord for wisdom. We should confess our failures before him. And he promises to give us wisdom generously. And I wonder, how does that relate to the weight of expectation that so many mums are carrying today? Well, I think it relates because mothers fear that they will not live up to the high bar that has been set. It relates because mothers fear that they will fail. Worse yet, they fear that their failures will or already has damaged their children beyond repair of redemption. It relates because they fear that they are not fit for the task and that it will be their children who will carry the consequences of their failures. So mums, please, as hard as it is, I want you this morning to quieten that little voice that you hear in your mind, right now even, which says, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He can't see the hurt that I've inflicted, the mark that I've missed. He can't see the disappointments that I've left. Don't listen to what he's saying. He's only a man. What would he know? You're right. I am just a man. I can never truly know what it feels like for you as a mum in this world. But I know someone who does. And this is what he says. He says, I will give you greater grace. I will give you greater grace. So that high bar that you see, he gives greater grace than that. What about the failure that you fear? He gives greater grace than that. Maybe you feel unfit for the task. He gives greater grace. Are your kids hurting? Or maybe even far away? Guess what? He gives greater grace even for that. He gives a greater grace than the list of victories even that you stored up in your mind. The list of accomplishments that you're actually proud of as a mum. His grace even surpasses those. He gives a greater grace. So I'm going to conclude by reading the closing paragraphs of Kendra's post. I'm not sure that I could say it better than she has. 
But here's the thing. While we've spoken specifically to mothers today, he gives a greater grace. That's a message that we all need to hear. All of us. Maybe you're not a mum. Maybe you, you want to be. It gives a greater grace. Maybe you're a dad. There's a special type of grace for that. Or a child here. Maybe you've got a great relationship with your mum. Maybe it's complicated. He gives a greater grace. I love the way that James just doesn't set any boundaries around that. It's greater. God gives a greater grace into our circumstances. Maybe you're someone who desperately desires to be a mum. You're carrying deep grief. So wherever, wherever Kendra's reference to mothers in what I'm about to read, I think that every single one of us in this room can insert our own circumstances into that word. Because I think this is a word for all of us. So this is how she closes her articles, how I'm going to close this message. The Lord gives more grace, overflowing grace for sinful mothers, for mothers who have wounds from their past that sometimes come out sideways, for mothers who aren't sure if they can make it one more day trying to advocate for their, for their child's special needs or who can't bear the thought of letting their foster child return to their broken home or whose adult children have wandered far from their faith for mothers who feel lost in the sea of needs and demands and messes, the Lord gives more grace. And as he pours out his abundant grace on those mothers, he provides an example of his perfect patience for those kids who are watching as their mums fall to their knees in prayer as they humbly admit their desperate need, as they ask for forgiveness for the hundredth time, and as they keep walking in the way of Christ, imperfect as it may be. This Mother's Day, rather than trying to number your successes or feeling shame over your failures as a mum, may you cling to this hope for you and for your children, that he gives a greater grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting us in our need, both in our joys of the successes in our life, and as we celebrate mums today all around the world, but particularly here, we celebrate those great gifts that you have given through mothers. But we also know that just with all great gifts, there comes a cost, a weight that must be carried, expectations that feel heavy, even failures, real failures that we store up in our memories sometimes. And Lord, we pray for mums today. Especially we pray that they would know and grasp and see the reality that you are a God of greater grace. But for each one of us, Lord, 
This is good news for mothers, but it's good news for everyone. You are a God who gives greater grace. And so we look to you today. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you that you made a way for us to know the grace of God. So whether success today or grief today, in our celebrations and in our sorrows, we look to you, Jesus, the one who gives greater grace. And we worship you in your name. Amen.